All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. I was going to have the special, but I couldn't find it, so amen. Um, it must be the perfect will of God for me not to sing. I was going to substitute Brother Pete. He's still under the weather. And uh, yes, I'll turn that on, brother, right now. John 15. We're teaching, uh, preaching on key chapters of the Bible. This is one of my very favorite. Right before Jesus goes to the cross, he gives instructions to the disciples of how to really live. I mean, how to have a happy life. I don't know if y'all are interested in that. Maybe you just signed up for misery. and You're just content to be uh, depressed all your life. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. John chapter 15 talks about the key to living. I mean, the key to life. And so I want to give you several keys to living. And it's all found in verses 1 through 11 that we'll cover tonight. And we'll try to cover the rest of the chapter maybe next week. Um, let's stand on to the Word of God. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandry. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Can somebody say amen right there? And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them to the fire that, that they burn. That has nothing to do with salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. That is your usefulness and your fruitfulness. Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, here's a great promise. Ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's a conditional promise. You can't just pray anything or any way. This is a conditional promise. And here it is. It says in verse 8, and here's the reason that we ought to live, and this is the reason that we exist, and this is the reason that we really need to abide in him. It says in verse 8, Hearing is my Father glorified, that ye bear forth, bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in ye in my love. If ye keep my, if ye keep my commandments, and ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And these things have I spoken to you that your joy might be full and that your joy might be full. Let, let me read that again. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this key chapter in the Word of God on how to live, and how to enjoy real living. God, we know the devil will try to steal and kill and, and devour, and Lord, help us not to uh, live uh, our potential in you, Lord, and I just thank you, God, that greater is he that is in me than he's in the world, that we can have victory, and that we can be winners in this life, we can have victory in every area, and glorify your precious name, 
by bearing much fruit. So Lord, help us as we study these chapters, especially these key verses on how to live. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, life is your most precious possession. Don't take it for granted. As we hear all these um, prayer requests, uh, we, we think about how blessed we are just to be here. You ought to thank God and count your blessings. So many people are very sick. And, you know, right now you're either wasting your life, uh, you're spending your life, or you're investing your life. Life's too fragile and life's too precious for you just to spend it. That sounds like you're cashing in on something. Some people just live for the pleasures and uh, of the sin for a season. But the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that, you're, that you, they might have it more abundantly. And so the thief, the devil, uses people and circumstances to rob us of life because of impatience. And some people I know are bitter and they go through life just bitter. I mean, they, they're hurt and their present relationship is harmed by their past. And so they let the past poison the present and ruin the future because they're bitter people. Bitterness turned in, of course, is, I often say this, is depression. Bitterness turned out is anger. Uh, and some people live like that and they feel inadequate. Uh, they're insecure. They're critical, cynical. That's not how Christians ought to live. The Bible says in verse 11, these things are spoken to you that your joy might be, that my joy uh, might be, remain in you and that your joy might be full. And folks, there's no joy like God's joy. Uh, happy, happiness is dependent upon happenings. A lot of people, they're looking for a happening. If their team wins or if their team's rated number one, I saw all these cars going down the road with uh, uh, Georgia Bulldog uh, banners on their antennas, even put, made some antennas so they'd have two of them. And I thought, man, they're just getting on the winning side. I didn't see that last week. See, everybody likes to identify with number one for a week, and they like to identify with winners, amen? They like to identify with winners, and, and folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to be winners, and we're more than conquerors through Christ that strengthened us, amen? We're, we're uh, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world, and folks, if you live beneath your privilege, you're not an attractive Christian. Matter of fact, you're not in God's will, and, and uh, you're, you'll be miserable, and people will have to minister to you instead of you ministering to them. So I want to give you uh, several keys, and I won't get to all of them uh, uh, this tonight, but I'll try to uh, cover about three of them tonight, and I'll let you go, and I appreciate you being here. But the secret of living, number one, you might want to write it down or put it up on the wall, brother. The secret of wit living is fruit-bearing, fruit-bearing. I, I come from the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, fruitcake capital of the world, Claxton, Georgia. I was assistant pastor there for four years, and uh, we had a terrible, terrible ministry the first two years. Uh, my, my wife's best friend, who was the pastor's wife, was killed, I believe, by the pastor. Um, uh, he committed adultery with his, with, um, with his secretary. The church was split down the middle. Uh, we had the cathedral quartet come after all that broke loose and broke out in the community, and they uh, heard me preach on why Christians have trouble. And uh, George Yance, 
nominated me as pastor of that church. And I said, hey, uh, brother, I ain't going to be pastor of this church. I don't want to be pastor of this church. I'm out of the ministry. I'm going to BUA, which is Baptist University of America. I was quitting. I was just quitting because of the heartache of working for somebody that would do something like that. And um, God had Connie and I fast for three days and pray, and God led us to uh, stay, and God sent a great man of God on the scene called, uh, his name was Brother Paul Forsythe. He's, he was, he's preached here many times. And he died at 55 years of age with a brain tumor, my pastor. And he trained me for two years after all that tragedy and, and worked with me and discipled me and loved me and, uh, and just was there in a very difficult situation. And um, I thank God for that. But I want to tell you something, friend. The secret of living is fruit bearing, doing things that you can never do on your own. And, and as I said, he said that a fruitcake left when I, when I left uh, Claxton, Georgia. And, but I went by way of Florence, uh, Florence South Carolina. That's, that's the uh, uh, false teeth capital of the world. They supported me, and I came here as a missionary. Uh, they gave me $100 a month, and, and the uh, Tri-State Preachers Fellowship supported me. And I was a missionary. Uh, to Dalton, Georgia, and I'm glad I didn't quit because I would have never met such a great church and been able to pastor these 39 and a half years, but I want to tell you something, it's nothing we can do, and sometimes God puts us at a place where we feel like we can't go on, and God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. The secret of living is fruit bearing. I want you to look at verse 2. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now folks, fruit is the evidence of salvation. You'll know them by their fruit. I don't think we ought to judge people, but I believe we ought to fruit inspect. And folks, I'm not judging you, I'm fruit inspecting, amen? And uh, you, you, you inspect my fruit, so to speak. And folks, verse 8 goes on to say, by the way, every branch is you. You've got to find out who you are. You're not the vine. You're not self-sufficient. You cannot work miracles. You cannot save anyone. Only Christ can save people. And, and uh, God can use you as a branch. And as you abide, God flows and God uh, produces fruit. There's six different fruits in the New Testament I'll go over. And it's not just soul winning. A lot of people think that's all there is. Uh, there's a lot more fruit in the Christian life. But it says he'll purge it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's why these TV evangelists that say that every time you have sickness, that you've got sin, Miss Jennifer, in your life, is, are total heretics. They're totally wrong. Because the Bible says that he will purge you. Sometimes purging is um, a very un, uh, uncomfortable situation. Uh, you purge a... Rose bush, for instance, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I grow roses at home. There's about four of them in the front, four bushes in the front, and I just go out there with, a, with some clippers, and I just start clipping, praise God. And they come back. It's amazing to me. I mean, it's a miracle of God. I can't even grow hair, much less roses. And so, uh, you know, we're just clipping away, amen? But I look at the dead limbs and clip them away. I'm sure the dead limb says, wait a minute, what are you doing, uh, master husbandry, uh, farmer, rose Rose uh, connoisseur, what are you doing to me? I said, what I'm doing is I'm allowing the sap, the minerals, the, the source 
to go to the, the fruit-bearing vine. See, he, he, he knows how to clip you. He knows how to purge you. He knows how to engraft in you exactly what he, he wants in your life. And sometimes and Christians have trouble. Sometimes Christians have trouble to condition you. What comfort you receive, you comfort others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for conforming. Always trouble is for conforming. I go back to that message I preached the week after uh, the pastor uh, resigns and the pastor's wife ends up dead, falling in the shower, and he shows up at a funeral with scratches on his face. That was a pretty hard funeral. To pre- I mean, a pretty hard Sunday morning to preach after that happened. I'll tell you that right now. And I just didn't know what to preach, so I preached on why we have trouble. And folks, the reason we have trouble is because God's trying to conform us. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together. I sure love homemade biscuits, but I don't like lard, and I don't like flour, and I sure don't like baking soda. My mother uh, was a great mom, but sometimes she was cruel to me because she made me brush my teeth with baking soda because we could not afford toothpaste. My daddy drank it all up. And so here I am with baking soda, brush my teeth. That's why you see these pearly whites are straight and they're shiny, amen? And they got a lot of miles on them, and I'll tell you that. I went to the dentist the other day, and the <clears throat> cleaning lady says, we sure got to take care of that mouth. And I said, thank you, sister. I appreciate that so much. She knew I was a preacher. But look at verse 8. Verse 8. So we do have trouble in our Christian life. It's not because of sin. It's always to make you more like Jesus, and it's always to condition you and bend the blade before the battle so you can go through some things and comfort people with the comfort you receive. A lot of people come to me and say, you don't know what it's like to live in a broken home and uh, alcoholic. And I said, wait a minute, I do. I've been there, done that, and only by God's grace I got through it, not being a nervous wreck and an introvert that would not speak to anybody. Verse 8, look at this. It says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. The chief end of all men is to glorify God. Isaiah 43, 7, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Isaiah 4, it's a good thing I didn't try to sing. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says, All things were formed and created for His glory. Revelation 4, 11 says that all things were and are created for His pleasure. Hebrews 11, 1 says that you're, you, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but verse 6 says it's impossible to please God except by faith. We have to come to Him, come to Him, believing that He is, not a, He was, but He's the I Am. Come into him believing that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So verse 6 is one of the greatest prayer promises in the Bible. You come to him believing. Faith is the victory. And so verse 8 talks about that we can glorify God by bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. So the key to living the Christian life of joy and contentment is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. It's fruit for His glory. And it glorifies God because you do not, as a branch, brag on your fruit. You brag on the vine. Say amen. You, 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 you brag on the, the source in your Christian life. What a great illustration of the Christian life summed up in 11 verses. But look at also at verse 16. I didn't get that far, but it says, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should, be, uh, should remain, and that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, 
He may give it to you. He may give it to you. And I want to tell you something, friend. That is the greatest blessing on this earth is to be on praying ground and have the posture of heart where God will honor your request and you get your prayers answered. There's no greater joy. John 16, 24 says we have joy because our prayers are answered. And so the key to the Christian life is bearing fruit. Now what I'd like to preach on for the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, I've always wanted to do that, but I'm going to try to dismiss early. I want to preach on what it means and how to bear much fruit. Number one, I think we need to define what fruit is. Amen? Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And the Bible defines what fruit is. Romans 1, 13. <clears throat> I'm glad you saved tonight. Say amen. And nod your head and come back up. It'll encourage the preacher. Amen? But look at this. Romans 1, 13. The Bible says this. Now, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. Oftentimes I purpose to come to you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now, folks, listen. The fruit of one Christian is another Christian. Uh, you know, it's great to have the fruit of a, of a child born to you and entrusted to you. It's a great blessing. Um, <clears throat> I've got um, 12 grandchildren, two by adoption, and they're just as much part of our family as, as the, the other two, and uh, Mark's um, cousin's uh, sister OD'd and left two teenagers stranded, and now they're both called to preach and both called to be missionaries, and one's going to Thailand and one's going to graduate, and, um, and it's just a blessing. That's fruit. That's fruit. I thank God for Mark's courage to adopt those two teenagers he already had three and made a difference in their life adoption makes a difference in people's lives and you know how many kids are out there stranded with no parents because of this opiate uh, addiction this meth addiction and I mean both of them in jail and there's hundreds of thousands of children all over America without a home and the system called foster care is 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 running out of foster care folks and and folks, that's great fruit. That's fruit. It's chosen fruit. It's biological fruit. It's, it's fruit. That's physical fruit. What's the spiritual fruit? It says, I might have fruit among you, even as among other Gentiles. Folks, the fruit of one Christian is another Christian. Your life should count for others to be saved. The Bible says that one of the things that's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ is that Paul calls some people in 1 Thessalonians I believe it's chapter 2. Um, he says, you're my fruit and my joy. And so he was talking about those that he'd won to the Lord, and he won many to the Lord, and he's still, <clears throat> he's still winning many to the Lord. The Bible says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory, and our joy, and our fruit. So folks, one fruit in the Bible is another Christian. Uh, it's great to win somebody to the Lord. It's great to be a witness and be a part of winning somebody to the Lord. And then we see also in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, another fruit that a lot of people don't think about as being a fruit. 
And we independent Baptists sometimes have a lot of rules and regulations. And we try to manufacture a lot of fruit. But folks, you can't manufacture this. Look at Romans chapter uh, uh, 6 verse 22. The Bible says this, But now being made free from sin and become service to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now anybody can be legalistic as far as um, a lot of rules and regulations thinking they can be saved by that. Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, uh, religious uh, uh, entities all around this world try to say you've got to work for your salvation. Well, that's false religion. And that's a false doctrine. Folks, Jesus paid it all at the cross of Calvary. And we're the fruit. And folks, if there's anything that's right in our life and it's holy in our life, it's the fruit of holiness. So write it down. The first fruit is soul winning. The second fruit in the Christian life is holiness. Some people are scared to death of the word holiness. And folks, listen, it's not manufactured results. It's not, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to tell you something. Mormons are squeaky clean. Dale Murphy never drank iced tea. Does that make him say no? It makes him know that he, what, he, what he was not missing. I mean, what he was missing. Amen. I love iced tea. If I had to give up iced tea, I'd have to become something else. No, not really. But so, so they think that's holiness. They think those rules and regulations and <clears throat> not doing this and uh, dressing this certain way and et cetera. I believe in standards. I believe we ought to be modest. I believe we ought to be, uh, uh, I think we ought to be looking like Christians. I don't apologize for that. Uh, I don't think we ought to uh, have long blonde hair men down to your shoulders uh, uh, in the house of God, you know, uh, because somebody might uh, identify you with, the, with an effeminate movement. And so we ought to not abstain from the, even the appearance of evil. But folks, listen, I can't make you live holy. And my rules and regulations are not what, what counts. It's God's love and God's power, His Holy Spirit living in you, and that you love God so much that you're separated. Amen? Hey, listen, I'm not interested in a bunch of women because I love my wife. Amen? And uh, she swings a mean frying pan. No, not really. Uh, and, and I love her. And so I turn from others like they're lining up. Uh, and I, you know, I turn from the world. Amen? And folks, I want you to realize that. Folks, I, the greatest separation is unto God, say amen. And folks, we can be squeaky clean and just be as pharisaical as they come and just as lost as the Pharisees were. But thank God for the holiness of the Spirit of God in our life. When we yield to the Spirit of God, there, there's something that pops out. And it's love, that love for God that you want to be separated and holy. You have a holy purpose in your life. You have a holy ambitions. You even have holy appetites. And pornography and wickedness does not attract you. And if it does, you get under conviction and you repent. Say amen. I have a lesson I teach at every um, couples retreat now that I, t that I go to or, or family. And it's every man's battle. Every man's battle. It's called emotional affair. You better watch who you text. And you better watch the friends of the opposite sex because Proverbs chapter 5 verse 3 says it starts with smooth words and then it goes to physical. It always starts with emotional. People's had private, excuse me, secret cell phones to have their stinking affairs in their life. And they found out after they have the divorce. 
secret cell phones. Why? So they can have an emotional affair all day long. And I will say this, friend. You need to realize the only one that can keep you close to God is the Holy Spirit. And the only fruit that will really last and glorify God is the Spirit of God. And I don't think we ought to be pharisaical. I don't think we ought to be mean-spirited. I don't think we ought to be holier than thou. We just need to be holy. I, I believe in holiness. I'm a, I'm a preacher that believes in holiness. Because, folks, holiness is godliness. And godliness is godlikeness. I don't mean that you have to wear a long robe and sandals every day. But it means this. What would Jesus do? And the Spirit of God will check you. The Spirit of God will convict you. And the Spirit of God will speak to you and, and convict you of sin and righteousness and of judgment. That's holy living. Amen? There's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, you, if you're not different, you're not attractive for Jesus. If you want to blend in the world... Who jumps in a well to rescue somebody drowning? Well, I'll just become just like them. No, you don't need to be like them. You need to be like Jesus. You need to please him, not the crowd. <clears throat> Peer pressure will bring you down. But I want to tell you something. His pressure will lift you up in a position of effectiveness. Let me say it different. Fruitfulness for his glory. Let me give you another fruit. Romans 15, verse 28. Romans 15, 28. Look at this one. Are y'all interested in this? I like this. I like this study on fruit. I just like it. Romans 15, 28. The Bible says this. When therefore I will have performed this and have sealed uh, them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And folks, I want you to know uh, there's the fruit of good character. It's the fruit of, 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 um, uh, of, of, of giving. Wherefore I have performed this and have sealed them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And folks, there's a fruit of giving. And folks, our church is known as a missionary church by several hundred missionaries around the world. And I'm glad they can count on us and that you have a worldwide vision. And folks, there's a fruit of giving. It's a fruit of giving. Folks, without the Holy Spirit and without abiding and staying in the Word and praying, you will be selfish. That's your nature. It's called Adamic nature. You inherit it from Adam. We're by nature selfish. But by the Spirit of God, we're generous. All right, let me give you another fruit real quick. Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. And this is Christian character. Uh, and I mean this is, this is rich and this is wonderful. And I thank God for you that are uh, manifesting this fruit every day of your life. Galatians 5.22, the Bible says this. It's just a study of the word fruit. I'm in Ephesians. That's good too. Amen. I looked at that and said, oh my. Look at this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That means you can control your temper. Against such there is no law. And so folks, listen, all that long suffering, which inclines um, uh, relationships, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, joy, peace, um, it's all fruit of the Spirit. And folks, that's a fruit of Christian character. And then there's a the fruit of good works. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, real quick. Colossians 
chapter 1, verse 10. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 1, 10. The Bible says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increased in the knowledge of God. See, our works won't get it done. And if we do it in the flesh, we'll want credit for it. And if we do it in the flesh, we'll want recognition for it. And if we're not careful, we'll want, we'll want to get credit for it. But folks, when we cannot do it, and when we cannot be a blessing, and God is a blessing through us, He gets the glory. One last fruit, and this is really neat in the Baptist church. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, 15. Look at that with me, please. We're studying the Word of God tonight. What a precious study it is. But Hebrews 13, 15 talks about another fruit. It says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Folks, the fruit of praise. You know, I've seen some people, <clears throat> and they always sit on the front row of these camp meetings, and they jump up and do 360s, and they, and they holler and they shout, and that's good, and, and I'm not a shouter. Uh, probably, I hope I'm not a powder. And people, people express their enthusiasm different. Uh, I don't care how high you jump as long as you walk when you hit the ground. Say amen. And it's not how much, it's not the toot of the horn that uh, is the gauge of how much gas is in the tank. Say amen. But I want to say this, it's alright to have a little enthusiasm in theos, in God. It's alright to have a few tears. And it's alright to be emotional for God. We get emotional about the Georgia Bulldogs, don't we? The Tennessee Vols. I don't know if we get emotional this year about it, but anyway, um, get plumb mad. But uh, you know, but uh, you know, I'm just saying we get emotional about our team, amen. Uh, we get emotional about our kids participating in little league. We get emotional about all kinds of things. We get emotional about the stock market going up uh, when we got a lot invested. And folks, why can't we get excited about eternal things? Why can't we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts to praise Him? And I will say this: there's a fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's spiritual praise. It's spiritual enthusiasm. It's spiritual that you get excited and say amen once in a while. Some people have never done that in church, never will. I'm not trying to pump anything out of you. But I want to tell you something. You amen it with your life. You amen it with your soul. And you amen it by your walk. Amen. And you amen it by your presence and your faithfulness. Amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's a great fruit. To praise God and to be thankful is a great fruit. To be contented. And we as Christians ought to be the most thankful, contented beings on this earth. And so it, it's the fruit of soul winning, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of, of giving, the fruit of character, the fruit of good works, and the fruit of praise. But let's go on. What's the key? What is the key to fruit bearing? What is the key to fruit bearing? Uh, uh, you know, we have many fruits in our life and we need, need to realize we're the branch and He's the vine. We need to realize the source of it. But folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, you, you can't share with others and give with others. You don't have Christian character. You won't have holiness of life. You won't witness and win souls. You won't have good works. You won't praise and have a testimony of gratefulness unless you do exactly what the Bible says. And that key is this. The key to, to fruit bearing is abiding. Turn back in your Bibles to John 15. Look at verse 4. 
John 15, verse 4. We'll dismiss in a few minutes. But look at uh, John chapter 15, and I want you to look at verse 4. And th these 11 verses, a lot of people want to skip to verse 11. They want to just have the joy right now. You know, just give me the joy, Lord. I want it, and if I don't have it, I'll, I'll quit and find it at another church. And folks, you cannot short-circuit what it says, These things have I spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you is verses 1 through 9 about abiding. Abiding. Here's the key to, uh, to, to fruit-bearing. It's abiding in Him. Look at verse 4. It says, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Jesus speaking right before he goes to the cross of Calvary. An important truth, a life-changing truth on the key to living is fruit-bearing, but the key to fruit-bearing is abiding. Look at verse 7. The Bible says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. Now folks, if you live for God's glory, you've got a great life. If you live for God's glory, you've got a fulfilling life. And if you live for God's glory, you've got a joyful life. Because I want to tell you something, if you live for the trinkets of this world, you're going to be disappointed. If you live for the investments of these worlds, you're going to lose you, no one dies with a U-Haul it behind a hearse. You cannot take it with you. Amen? And folks, we need to send forth blessings ahead. And we need to abide in Him. And uh, we need to abide, and that means literally to stay in fellowship. It's not talking about union. That's why this is, these verses about being cast down is not losing your salvation, Arminians. It's not saying that you are burned in fire. It means as a branch you're burned in fire. That means your testimony is, is, is decimated when you don't abide. And you're useless. I mean, a branch on the ground cannot bear fruit. It's barren. It's empty. It's futile. It's good for nothing, the Bible says. Trodden underfoot if we're not uh, the salt and the light. And there's no light and there's no salt. There's no flavor in your life. Until you abide. Now, how do you abide? There's a key here. And I want to just give you a few things. Number one, meditation. Meditation. I could qualify and go on the streets and, and get a robe on and cross my hand and hum and be, uh, I could do Eastern meditation. I could fit right in that group because I look like that group. But I want to tell you something. I'm not part of that group. Meditation means that you digest. It literally means chew the cud. It means meditate. And it's a key to success, Joshua 1.8. It's a key to success. That's what the Bible says. Look it up sometime. Joshua 1, if you want to be successful, meditate. But what's meditation mean? It means knowing God through His Word. It only means just knowing, but it means keeping. John 15.7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Folks, how can He abide in you and your, His words abide in you if you don't meditate on them? That means you actually think about what God is saying. You actually conceive it and you actually put it to action and you paralyze it and actualize it through practical living and yielding to the Spirit of God. 
It's keeping His commandments. Look at John 15, 10. It says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. There it is. I mean, if you want to see a great commentary on the Word of God, there it is. The Word of God, it says, all right, what's abiding? Well, it's keeping His commandments. You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And so we have meditation in verse 7, but also we have prayer. Prayer. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. Psalms 1-2. And I will tell you, Psalms 1-3 says, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. Hey, a tree planted by the rivers of water has a hidden source of, of vitality. Has a hidden source called root system to the river. And I will tell you something, that's exactly what you have as a Christian. You have a hidden source of joy. You have a hidden source of peace. You have a hidden source of power. And you'll be planted and you'll prosper, the Bible says, and your leaf shall not wither. It's a great promise. But it starts with verse 2. It says that you meditate. And verse 1 says you don't sit in the seat of the council. Uh, you don't, uh, you don't uh, stand in the way of the sinner and you, see, and you, you, you sit down with the scornful. That you, that you meditate day and night. Literally the Word of God becomes a part of you. So don't get <clears throat> caught up in just reading your Bible through. Let the Bible read you through. And meditate. Folks, it's a, it's, a, it's a lost art in the Christian life. We're too busy to meditate. We'll meditate during the commercial. We'll meditate during halftime. Amen. Come on now, you sports fans. We'll meditate if, it's, if, it's, if, it'll do, if we can do it quick and do it on a run and maybe while I'm driving to the next destination. Folks, we need to spend time with God and let God spend time with us. Delighting in the law of the Lord. But prayer, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. There's that meditation. You shall ask. Now I want to tell you something, folks. The way to pray spiritually is to pray scripturally. If it violates the scripture, it is not spiritual. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. That's why the violation of 1 Corinthians 14 about the uh, tongues movement, it's so unscriptural. It says two by three and women don't speak in tongues in church. And every time I went to a church that I shouldn't have been at when I was a kid, uh, they were all doing it at the same time and women were leading it. That's violation of scripture. Then it says if you don't have an interpretation, don't, don't, don't speak it. So you've got to line up an interpreter. And folks, that's many languages. Glossia, the Hebrew, Hebrew tongue meant glossia. They spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2 and there was 19 dialects came out and they had a translation. That's a language if it has 19. And they named the 19 languages. Stop trying to be so spooky and so spiritual if it's not scriptural. If it don't line up with the Word of God, it's not right. Folks, listen, and you say, well, I, I said that one time to a lady that was in all this and she said, I don't care what uh, the Bible says, I know what I experienced. And I said, that's your problem. You don't care what the Bible says. I just know what I experienced. Well, folks, experiential uh, uh, living is not above scriptural living. I am one that believes that you ought to meditate on the Bible and you ought to pray biblically. You ought to pray, thy will be done. Amen? And then we ought to have confession. We ought to have confession. For, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. And i got to close. 1 John 1, 6. And I want to read through verse 9. 
and talk to you about what confession really means. A lot of people think confession is going to some booth and uh, confessing to some sinner your sins. And it's come out that some of them are vile sinners. Folks, ain't no man on this earth ought to be called father. That's what the Bible says. Amen? You got one father, that's the heavenly father. Amen? But look at this. First, First John 1, 6. I'll close. I'm going to let you all out early so you can get the kids out early. Get them to bed. It says, if you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Here it is, branch. I'm having fellowship with the vine. I'm flowing with God's power. I have fruit that abounds for his glory. And if you've got sin in your life, you're lying. You're not communing. You're, you're distant. You're cut off. The channel is stayed. The, the channel of blessing is damned. And I want to tell you something. You might not lose your salvation, but you'll lose the joy of it and the power of it if you don't abide. That's why you ought to read your Bible every day. That's why you ought to pray every day. And folks, I go to YDC and other places, and I look at the people, and they just say, yeah, that's what I need to do. What else do I need to do? But we Christians sometimes think that's too simple. That's too elementary. But it's not. Because then it says in verse 7, it says, but if you walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, all of us sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you don't believe you sin, ask your wife. She'll tell you how much you sin. Come on, lady, smile. Amen. That's the gospel truth, man. You just ask somebody close to you. One time I went to this uh, Bill Gothard thing. I shouldn't even have been there and he fell into sin since then. And um, he said, what you need to do is go home, be very transparent and ask your wife if there's any hidden sins in your life, any hidden problems, any hidden weaknesses. And I wish I hadn't asked Miss Connie that right before we went to bed. Man, alive. I mean, I said, she said, you really want to know? I said, well, I, this seminar, and it said you're going to be spiritual if you hold yourself accountable. Is there anything in your life that you think is a weakness in my life spiritually? You know, like maybe I don't listen enough, or I got pride. And I was giving her all these examples. She pulled out her list about a mile long and said, here they are. No, not really. And that was a hard thing to, for her to do because she's not critical, she's not cynical, and she's surely not uh, usurp authority over me. But I'll tell you what, I probably needed it. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you think you haven't sinned, just ask God. And compare yourself to not some hypocrite. Compare yourself to God. And you'll find out you've fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have. Say amen. And we're sinners saved by grace. And I think it's wonderful that we can be sanctified by grace and be used of God as a branch. We're just branches. Find out who you are. There's an identity crisis today. Some people think they're the vine and they're getting all the glory for it and making million dollars on TV thinking they're the healer. They're not the healer. If anybody's going to heal, it's going to be God and it's going to be through prayer, not through some celebrity. Say amen. Don't get me started on that. But I want to tell you this, friend. Look at verse uh, 9. It says, You're deceived and the truth is not in you. But if we confess, then I read verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, yes. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But look at this. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, 
We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if, but, and if any man sin, and he knew you would, and I would, we have a what? Advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, satisfied God's just, judgments, what that word means, for our sins, and not only for ours only, but for, for also for the sins of the whole world. Folks, what does confess mean? Confess means this, get it right so you can get unclogged. That's very trite and very undignified, I guess. But folks, get it right so you can flow. Get it right so you can yield. Get it right because so, God's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels. I believe a preacher ought to walk what he talks. I don't believe you ought to just talk the talk. You ought to walk the walk. And I want to tell you something, there's power in somebody that will demonstrate what he's saying. And sometimes people are saying too much when they ought to be walking it. And they ought to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And when you have sin in your life, you cut yourself off from being usable for God. There is no little sin because every sin stops the flow. Folks, listen, the moment you sin, there's darkness in your life. The moment you sin, there's a lack of abiding. And so you say, well, I'll just pray and my God, God will give me all my answers. Not if you're not abiding. Well, I'll just ask God to use me to teach a Sunday school lesson. Not if you're not abiding. Well, I'll just preach. Not if you're not abiding. Well, I'll just sing a solo. Not if you're not abiding. Folks, abiding is the key. Is the key to bearing fruit. Now next week we'll get into the rest of it. And folks, John 15, 10 says that we ought to have a desire to do the will of God. There ought to be a desire. A person that abides in the vine has a desire. And that desire is you want to come to church. You don't have to be made to come to church. You want to read your Bible. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do is pray. You want to pray. You don't pray enough. I don't either. We get busy, and our busyness becomes an anesthetic for our unspirituality. But we think because we're busy. Sometimes I'll hit the... Hit the ground running about 6, 6.30, counseling, talking to people, going to help people, trying to help them not lose their job, and going to take them here and take them there. And I thought, my word, this is inter interfering with my devotion. I'm going to get up at 5.30 to have a devotion. And folks, I'm no good for God that day if I skip His Word, skip a quiet time, because I'm not abiding. And then if i got sin in my life and get mad at the person that's taking me away from God, I've got double trouble. Because I'm bitter. You ever been there? I'm angry. I'm disturbed. All the other good adjectives that people call you when you're not right with God. But I want to tell you the key. Keep the flow by abiding. And so to the degree that you know God, you'll love God. The degree that you love God, you'll obey God. And that's called abiding. So it's knowing, loving, obeying, which is abiding. And when you abide, He'll answer your prayers. And all those fruits that we mentioned will be manifested through your life as a branch for His glory. Aren't you glad that you're a branch on the greatest tree on this earth? And that's the fruitful union and communion with a living God. Do you know the living God? Are you right with the living God? Are you yielded to the living God? That's abiding. Let's pray. Father, thank you for...
this great chapter, this challenging chapter, this chapter that really sums up the whole Christian life. And God, I, I don't want anything to hinder the flow. Lord, that's why I apologize from the depths of my heart if there's any relationship that's not right with you. Before I walk in this pulpit, before I go soul winning, before I even try to be a good daddy, a good husband, a good granddaddy. God, I want you to be who you are through me. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit overflowing. I want to abide in you. That there'll be much fruit, not for my glory, but all for your glory.